Hey, it's the Dan Wilson in Tokyo podcast. Your one-stop podcast for everything Japan and Japanese culture. Hi! Kindabu! You know what I'm saying? How's it going? Um, how about just for tuning in? I teach you a little bit of Japanese. Right off jump, huh? So, let me paint the picture here. You've uh, visited Tokyo, and you go to a place called The Hub. The Hub is your uh, little local British pub, except you got to line up to order drinks. So the point of the bar, there is no point to having a long bar. and. You go to this hub and you order the big beer. The beers they keep in those scientific cylindrical things. Um, the ones that that white dude in Breaking Bad, um, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, he used to make uh, the finest crystals. One of those beaker ass looking uh, cylindrical things. You can order the big beers at the hub with that. And... Um, so you get drunk, is what I'm trying to say, because you uh, ordered about three of those. The beer towers, I think they're called. Get yourself a beer tower at the hub, all right? Um, because uh, there's these little things called gaijin hunters to hang out at the hub. A gaijin hunter is a girl that targets foreigners, you know what I'm saying? We love them, you know what I'm saying? We have a a special little place in our hearts for those gaijin hunter girls. You know what I'm saying? We love you. They always looking out for the, uh, they love Yu-Gi-Oh. They always uh, trying to find the blue eyes, white dragon, you heard? But uh, I don't got blue eyes and I'm not white. But if you got blue eyes and you're white, um, you're rare. You're going to pull out here. But what I'm saying is you drink a few of those beer towers at uh the hub and this girl this gaijin hunter girl locks eyes with you right and you lock eyes with her and you chug your beer towel and you hit her with a few lines she says mm, sure so you go home with her um you both visit a uh, pound town residential occupation two you know what i'm saying and you hit that, and then you wake up in the morning, and she comes next to you uh, and gets that kawaii little snuggle in, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you get up and put your pants on, and you hit her with this. Jane, ore kara rendaku suru kara. Jane, ore kara rendaku suru kara. Ore kara rendaku suru kara is uh, don't call me, I'll call you. Boom! You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen, because I know ladies use that line too. Jane is peace out. All right, see you later. Jane, ore kara rendaku suru kara. I'll call you. Don't call me, I'll call you. Ore kara rendaku suru kara. Jane, peace out. Easy enough. Ore kara rendaku suru kara. Ore kara rendaku suru kara. Don't call me, I'll call you. 
boom you know how to hit it and quit it now in japanese god damn i'm just teaching you guys the most fire japanese all right you don't need duolingo you need dan wilson and tokyo podcast you heard learn all the real shit here okay yeah um so last episode i was talking about some japanese comedy or comedy in japan and it was too big of a topic i couldn't get all that shit into one hour so i decided to go chronologically at least my journey into becoming a comedian right and i think step one is comedy school in japan you're like comedy school what the fuck is that maybe in america of course there's like improv class and shit right but for the most part you just learn your trade on the stage right you just go to open mics you just fucking learn from your senpais which in english english is uh you're taking class you do take a shop right from the m like the comics that are ahead of you they're you're the old they're older than you that's your senpai right but in japan there's this thing called comedy school and it's uh it's very uh normal to go each company has their comedy school so yoshimoto it's a big agency it's got their comedy school nsc i think it's called watanabe we got our comedy school the watanabe comedy school wcs w watanabe comedy school yeah 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 and for each class there's a year so i graduated niju yonki the 24th class of watanabe comedy school right and as i mentioned last time when you're fucking meeting other comedians you say what class you're in or you say how many years you've been doing comedy in japan is part of your introduction and they'll be like oh shit you part of the 24th class so like yeah everyone wants to know whose class were you in because later when you start making it you're on tv and shit you're like oh shit i didn't know uh g pam panda and dabito beachy were in the same class dokis right classmates g pan panda is another uh classmate of mine they're on they're on tv a lot right um but yeah they're the same classmates as me and people like to see that shit whatever but uh let me get into how i got into the comedy school so at the time i lived in nakameguro and right next door there was a big sign in english watanabe comedy school that's literally the only reason why i knew it was a comedy school because my illiterate ass can't read shit in japanese sometimes even in english so I knew I wanted to be a comedian in Japan. So I just walked up in there and there's some security and shit. Cause you know, they got famous people signed there. I know it's the school, but now I know that that actual building is used for various things that people that are signed come by. So there's famous people in and out of there, right? People that are actually signed to the company and fucking i just walk in there and i get like stopped at the door like hey, hey where's your lanyard this is all in japanese of course i'm just like whoa 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 oh 
Japanese comedian in every day. They're like, hey, what the fuck? Who are you? What are you? But I was like, I want to be a comedian. And they're just like, what the fuck? Who, who are you? One. And two, there are auditions next month to get into this comedy school. And I'm just like, fuck. Auditions just to get into the damn school? But shit, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's how school works usually. Um, it ain't no fucking public school. So it's like I got to take the SATs for comedy school pretty much, right? Shit. So I do all this paperwork, which took a fucking minute, right? I had all my Japanese homies help me. And I get to the audition for uh, comedy school. And there's a bunch of other like Japanese cats that are, you know, auditioning for the same school. And they got us all in this room. And uh, remember, I explained the boke and tsukomi, right? Boke is the one that does the joke. And the tsukomi uh, points it out and gets the laugh usually, right? So it's like a combination play, right? And in comedy, there's usually like a boke or tsukomi, right? You're either one of them. Usually, right? Not always, but standard. And remember... This is like my second year in Japan. So my Japanese is garbagio. And so I get in there and it's my turn. So they're like, uh, Daniel-san. And fucking I stand up in front of everyone and they ask like, Hey, Daniel-san, what? Like, are you a boke or tsukomi? And I just looked around. I go, what's a boke? And boom, the fucking place erupts, right? It wasn't a targeted joke. But at the time, I answered while making a joke, right? They asked me, are you a bokeh or tsukomi? I said, what's a bokeh? That is the bokeh. So I'm answering. There's layers to it, right? And I fucking shook the house. And man, I've been chasing that high ever since that was like one of the biggest laughs i've ever got probably yo my natural timing like my fucking uh what's it called body language like the the realness of how i said like yo what the fuck's a bokeh like dude everything was probably on point you know you know uh they say like beginner's luck kind of thing well dude man that was like the perfect joke in that moment for a foreigner to make in that situation god damn dude i've i've been chasing that high like you know forget about bud forget about coke forget about heroin man that's the moment i got addicted to comedy but heroin addiction is no joke but for real i've been chasing that high for a minute now um and so that joke got me into comedy school um it was a lucky punch whatever you take it because uh the rest of the interview dude i don't know shit yet right so i'm answering questions like seriously i and like other comedians that are auditioning 
um, they, it's their language. They know what they're doing. So they would like answer jokingly and stuff. Right. So I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So it was that lucky punch joke that pulled me through. All right. Uh, so I enter in the 24th class of Watanabe comedy school. And I only entered that school because people ask me, why'd you pick Watanabe over Yoshimoto? I'm like, yo, I just live close to Watanabe comedy school. I literally just lived next door and their sign was written in English. I, that, those are the only two reasons why I entered Watanabe first. I didn't know shit. So, um, first day, of, first day of class, or it's like the entrance ceremony. Um, I couldn't read the letter, so I completely missed that. I knew I missed it later because on the first day of class, motherfucking everyone's like, yo, who's this foreigner? I didn't see him at the opening ceremony. And they were all asking me. I was just like that new kid that transfers from a different country, literally. I was like, oh, fuck, there was an opening ceremony? I missed all that shit, which was great because it was all probably a bunch of bullshit I didn't even have to listen to. Um, Japanese people love going on about the same shit about rules and stuff that you kind of already know, right? It's like, don't kill people. Don't smoke and walk around on the sidewalks. Don't jump off the roof. Shit like that, right? So uh, the first day of comedy school, man, fuck, I'm trying to remember what, what was that like? Uh, everyone's loud. Not going to lie, Japanese people, you know, they come off as, you know, quiet and all this. But the Japanese comedians are loud. All right. The first thing you learn is how to, like, activate your voice. Um, of course, there's different styles. But one thing is to learn how to start speaking really loudly in front of people and shit. But uh, first is, like. If you don't have an aikata, it's like aikata sagashi, to search for your aikata. Aikata is like your partner. Because um, a lot of the Japanese comedy is manzai, which is like a two-person act. Two or more person act. Konto, which is like situational comedy. That's also with other people. Um, there is like solo acts. Some people are like, yo, I don't want an aikata. I want to perform by myself. So depends on the comedian. And I didn't know any of this shit, right? So they were like, you're looking for a partner? I'm like, I mean, yeah, some help would be fucking nice. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So they're like, uh, in a week is in front of all your peers, the 24th class. I think my 24th class is like 200 plus students. It's a smaller school, of course, right? It's not going to be thousands of people, but 200 plus, And you get like some, some time on stage to either do an act or to just present something about yourself. It's pretty much to let your peers know, like, this is the type of person I am. Um, if you're interested in becoming my comedic partner, I guess. And I was just like, man, fuck, I, I don't got anything. So the first act I did is I did a flip, um, sketchbook flip um, of like the top questions I've been asked since moving to Japan or some shit like that. And I was like, um, hey, will you teach me English? And like when a guy asks, I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Like 60 bucks an hour. And then, uh, number two, like, will you teach me English? When a girl asks, 
yeah, we can do private lessons in my room, baby girl. Shit like that. Just to let people know I'm like, ah, this guy loves bitches. This guy's always trying to get it in, right? Kind of like at least show my humor for the, for the meantime, right? And the crazy thing was the reason my initial aikata, which is first I got together with the girl, the tsukkomi, the girl that points stuff out. We were waiting in line for some shit. And someone asked, like, what year she was born? And she missaid the date. She was like 1979 or some, some crazy, like, I, I don't know what happened. She, she just missaid the date of her birthday. And I was like, damn, how old are you? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I'm fucking this up. Remember, this is like eight years ago. So I think she just missaid her date. And then from the side, I was just like, damn, you look pretty good for a grandma, right? So that was, so I actually tsukkomid. I actually, she actually boked, made a joke, whether it was on accident or on purpose, she messed up saying how old she was. It was like an impossible date. Like she would be like 120. And I heard that and I jumped on and just went, damn, you look good for being like 120 years old. So I did the tsukkomid where I pointed out I pointed it out and made it funny. And in that moment, she told me later that it was really interesting for her to be tsukkomid by a foreigner, by an American. And then later she asked me, like, yo, you want to be comedy partners or try it out? So, yeah, that was the start of that. So me and her, uh, Yuki's her name, we decided to become just comedy partners, right? And right now, Rabbit Beach is a trio right that means three people in our comedy team let me drink some of this tea i don't know if, i know for the viewers that can uh that are watching this on the youtubes or whatever um i'm pouring this through a very asian tea tea pourer or kettle it's not a kettle because that's where you heat it up i heat it i heated up the water in the kettle and then you put the boiling water into this thing right it's got the leaves in there right it's been soaking up in there um i got a really cute sushi teacup um daidokoya right in sangenjaya i think is where i got it from it's really cute it's got a bunch of these uh sushi cuts on here and it says it in japanese and in english um sushi daidokoya um that's a sushi restaurant i super recommend going if you're ever visiting in japan they got them all over the fucking place think uh they got the main big one in shibuya they got a one down this cute little street in sangenjaya but uh check that shit out oh nice it's not scorching hot as always probably because i was letting it chill for a bit so me and my first aikata yuki the girl we form a comedy team and in my class, to me, in my eyes, one of the funniest dudes was this guy named Wataru. And, uh, dude, he was like the Japanese Mr. Bean. He didn't get any laughs using his words, but, dude, just how he, like, moved around and shit. Like, I think he naturally had it where it was very, like, uh, what's it, like, Mr. Bean humor. Like, he was really good at, at expressing himself through body motions right 
you know, it's a skill, but he had it naturally. And my Japanese was so shite that I couldn't understand anyone's jokes in that class. Wataru and his fucking weird little movements, his weird little body language is the only shit I'd laugh at. And to me, he was mad funny. So I went up to my comedy partner, Yuki, the girl, and I was like, yo, I want Wataru on my team. So we approached him. I was like, yo, Wataru, come join our squad. Let's make this a fucking trio, you know? And he goes, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in a, a different trio, actually. We're like, oh, fuck. Of course, someone had already grabbed this guy. And uh, so he shot us down, you know? And then one week later, he comes back on his hands and knees begging. It's like, yo, is that last offer still on the table, guys? Uh, my old comedy team just broke up. Can you guys please let me in? I was like, yo. It feels good to have a Japanese man on his hands and knees begging you, begging an American to come join the comedy team, you know? So I made him lick the bottom of my shoe and I said, I right, lick this and you're on the team. And so, uh, yeah, he joins the team and uh, now we're Rabbit Beach, Rabito Beach in a trio. And yeah, that's how that started. And comedy school in Japan. Fuck, dude. There's a lot of classes, right? And what was cool is I lived right down the street. People were coming from like Saitama and shit. Um, actually, my Aikata Yuki, she came from Osaka. And Wataru, he came from uh, motherfucking Kochi. These, these places are like, you got to take an airplane to get there. I know Japanese tiny as fuck, but there are places where the distance is enough to take an airplane, you know what I'm saying? So they really came to become a comedian in Tokyo, right? They didn't just stumble into their neighborhood comedy store and was just like, hey, I want to be a comedian. I just found that shit by chance. These people were like, you know, made life-changing decisions to come here to this school. I didn't know it was such a big deal. So maybe that's also why I was kind of bawling because I didn't feel the pressure at all. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I actually thought that once we graduate, everybody gets signed to Watanabe. I didn't even know this year-long or year-and-a-half comedy school was a year-long, a year-and-a-half-long like audition, pretty much. Not everyone gets signed. At the end, I think, um, out of those 200 kids, fucking like 22 kids got signed including your boy, so holla. Yeah, but I think it was the lack of me knowing how important every day was and how strict every day was that I was just chillaxing and like making jokes all the time that it actually helped me out. I didn't know until like the last like three months. I was like, oh shit, not everyone gets signed? I just been fucking around like this? But uh, yeah, nothing really changed after that anyways, but um, I always kept my cool, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some good-ass green tea, y'all heard. Japan knows how to make a tea. They know how to make the herbs for the tea. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyways, I'll talk about how you get signed later at the end. But um, so at comedy school for this year, year and a half, whatever how fucking long it was, um, there's like the monthly school live, the monthly school show. So each month, there's the big show. And remember, Japan is like a battle system where there's a winner and a loser. 
So the audience comes in and they rank their favorite comedians to their least favorite, right? And so each show, um, you're ranked the top three are like the winners pretty much. You're like first, second, and third. And then there's so many people, right? So there's like the A show. Like these are like what the comedy school considers like the top of the class so far. The B class, the B show, kind of in the middle. And then the C show, um, kind of bottom of the barrel. You guys are you guys are shit. You guys need to work a lot harder to get even looked at. And like a lot of these managers, uh, agents in English that are looking to sign you to Watanabe will probably come watch the A show. They don't waste their time with the B and C show, but they come watch the A show and they're like, all right, like these kids got potential. I see some yen signs, future yen signs with them, right? So each month they come to the A live. And one thing I'm kind of going to brag about is uh, for that whole school year, whatever, I was always in the A show. And I think I only actually won once, though. But I was always in, like, the top 10 of the A show, right? Each month you perform and the stats, the results come out. And then based on those results, the next month's show happens. So if you place, like, in the bottom third of the A show, then the next month you're in the B show. And the top of the B show, like, if you won, next month you're in the A show, right? So it's kind of like relegation and promotion if you're talking about like football, like in the Premier League or any other sports besides uh, bullshit ass American sports. So, yeah, it's like a relegation system for comedy that whole year. So it's like, you know, battling against each other. And, um, you know, looking back, it was always like the end of the world. Kind of like, man, if I didn't do well for this, I'm not going to get signed. Like, you know, all, all this bullshit. And uh, looking back, man, dude, that was. That was fun. I, it was so stressful, but so much fun. I mean, it's still stressful now, but because uh, before you even sign, you don't want to not make it before you even make it as a professional comedian. So once you're signed, you're considered a professional comedian, right? You're still at the bottom of the barrel of the professional world as a comedian in Japan, but you're at least signed to a big agency and can say, I am a professional comedian, whatever. That, that, that's a big deal. And anyways, for these classes, each month there's like the monthly school show, but then there's neta mise. Neta mise. Neta is skit. Mise is to show. So you show your skit to all these senseis, comedy senseis, whether they're producers or writers or, uh, yeah, pretty much like television people. And they give you feedback. And by feedback, I mean they fucking rip you to shreds. That's also, I felt like, a big part of the comedy school in Japan is they show you how funny you're not. Because everyone thinks they're funny, right? And they join comedy school. Everyone should think they're funny. That's why you wanted to be a comedian, right? But one of the early things I felt in comedy school is them pounding into you and telling you and showing you how not funny you are, how much work there is to be done, and how true that is, in a sense. Unless you're a genius, right? There are, once in a while, those geniuses that are just, their writing's on point, their acting's really good, they're, deli- you know, 
their stage presence, all that. And from comedy school, they're just a different thing. And they just make it right off jump. But for people that aren't geniuses, you know, for the most part, you're not funny. You think you're funny, but you're not fucking funny. You're funny with your friends. But that doesn't mean shit. You got to make new people laugh each time, right? Think of it as always playing away. Playing at home is easy. You got to always imagine playing away, right? It's like doing the, like showing the pilot of a show as your show, as your skit each time, right? That's, that's the kind of the mentality you got to work with, right? Why would you assume they know you're American, right? So I was like, oh shit, true. So that's why I wear my fucking manzai outfit, the Japanese stand-up. My manzai outfit is a fucking like 4th of July barbecue patriotic outfit. Yeah, I would never wear that shit in America unless on the 4th of July. It's like that over the top. Like I got like a American flag bandana on, a USA shirt. But it's important for me to look like that because it's the setup for all my jokes. Like, look, I'm American. So right off jump, I could skip a lot of the wasted time I would need to convince the audience that I am American, right? You know, just showing it, it's a lot easier. And I do got to show it over the top because Japanese people still think, Japanese people still think that in America, there are only black and white people. They don't think there are such things as Asian Americans, right? Or like Latin Americans. And there, you know, there is the internet, but they still are an island country. So from their viewpoint, there's only black people or white people in America. Yeah. Whenever I tell people I'm uh, like, I'm American, they're like, whoa, you're like, no, you're not. You can't be American. Look at you. I'm like, yeah. Damn, they're, they're just, Japanese people are so unknowingly racist at times. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's really funny. They'll just straight up be like, I don't like Chinese people. <laughs> but that's like for them, they're neighbors, right? But I guess Americans wouldn't be like, yo, I don't like Mexicans. But you know, I guess some, you know, crazy white people, racist people do say that, I guess. But uh, we know better than that. Right. I love fucking Mexican people. Dude, I, I grew up with Mexicans in Arizona and it was like it. It was. I was so lucky. To just grow up with illegal Mexicans that gave me. Like a different viewpoint than most people, I feel like I like running from the cops for no reason. <laughs> Uh, yo, we would like, cause my homies were illegal and I just thought it was the most fun. Like anytime we hear the whoop, whoop, or like a cop come by, we just run. And I'm, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm running with you. And then I found out, I was like, oh shit, you, if you guys get caught, oh, you guys are fucking done. So I would, I would hook them up. I'd play, I'd run a little slower. Right. Cause I, I'm kind of, I look a little Mexican. I, I got some like, like that native American Indian blood. So, you know, I'm like that Aztec. I am kind of you know, Hispanic, whatever, but, uh, I would run a little slower, right? I'd be the decoy. So the cop would catch me and, but I had my papers straight. Right. So 
while they're wasting time with me. They're like, hey, like, show me, show me your fucking passport. Let's get this papers. Or I'd let the real Mexicans, the real homies, the real illegal homies make a getaway, right? While they waste their time with me, the decoy, the decoy Mexican. You know what I'm saying? So uh shout out to all my boys um back home in Arizona. But uh back to comedy school. Um, there's a bunch of different classes that you take. Um, I know I was just talking about the neta mise, where you show your skit, right? Um, I don't know how I got off track there and started talking about uh, being a decoy for illegal Mexicans. But you show your skit, and then they give you feedback, they fuck you up, they crush you, and then you fix it for the monthly show at school, right? Then we had voice class just to how like probably what singers do right you go like do re mi fa so ba da da right you learn how to um access your voice i failed that class and then there's mo fucking dance class you won't believe this bullshit I was like, why the fuck? They make you learn a choreographed dance, right? And you fucking dance it in front of people. Most embarrassing shit ever. And that was the lesson. To get used to doing embarrassing things in front of people. Yeah. In America, we just do drugs or drink beer to get over those fears. But in Japan, they kind of raw dog it. They make you learn a fucking little like, like a little exile fucking Backstreet Boys boy band fucking dance and make you dance that shit in front of people. It fucking sucked. I hated that shit. And then there was acting class. Woo! Depending on the sensei, man. The first half was just reading the script, right? Like the first half of the year was learning and reading the script, like the table read type of shit. And Chaboy is illiterate. So I just laid on my side and slept that whole first half of the year. That's why I didn't know how, how important. I didn't know this was all depending on getting signed. But that goddamn teacher was like, this kid is fucking hilarious. And such a strict... Like everyone's sitting up straight, right? And my fucking like, like bowing, that 90 degree bow, you know what I'm saying? If I check with the protractor, that shit 90 degrees. And I'm sitting in class, like laying on the ground, like sleeping, because I can't read, right? I had a proper excuse, but, uh, and second half was fun. And because the sensei knew I can't fucking read, he gave me like the, uh, like a tree, pretty much a Japanese tree, you know, a bonsai tree. And once in a while, I'd just be like, Ooh, samui desu ne. I'm like, Hey, it's cold out. Right. <laughs> nah, I had, I had a few more lines than that. And I wasn't a fucking Japanese bonsai tree. I was actually the demai, the, uh, food delivery guy, like a, like an old school Uber eats. Right. I rode like that fucking motorcycle with the udon on the back and i like drop off you know the noodles 
And I was actually the, the comedic relief in that act or in that play. Because another thing was to learn how to act for comedy was not making everything funny. To act seriously within a funny situation is actually what's funny, not acting funny. I know those are two very difficult things maybe to understand. I'm not sure. But sometimes to be funny, you don't act funny. You need the acting uh, practice and skills to act serious. Right. And then the third person, the viewer, can laugh at that, depending on the situation. Right. But I was actually the comedic relief inside of the play. So I was just fucking fucking around the whole time. Right. And I got to change any of my Japanese lines to English Japanese lines. So I was just having fun. Uh, yeah. So we had Netamise, skit showing class, uh, dance class, whack, um, voice training class, failed that. Ah, failed that. And acting class. And. Fuck, what else? I think there was a few others, but I can't even remember that shit. Um, and what was cool was I lived right next door. And some people had like a fucking hour-long transit. So they would wake up at like 6 a.m. And my ass, I was like two buildings down. So I'd just wake up like 15 minutes before. Nah, like fuck that. Five minutes before class and just show up in my PJs, right? With still got eye crusties on my face bedhead right not bowing sleeping during class and i still got signed shit <laughs> fuck i fuck with it i fucked with the system nah 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 i was i was uh i was pretty serious when it i i was passionate about the comedy right i didn't give a fuck about nothing else so yeah and so after each month's show right and you know the managers agents whatever you want to call them they've been watching you right they've been watching you get better and better or worse and worse whatever so they might have kind of a a general idea of who they want to sign by the end of the year but then there's the last show of the year the graduation show which is like the big one which are like last chance to make an impression and like get signed right and all this so you do that, and then there's like an interview process with each of the agents, each of the managers. Um, they ask you a bunch of questions, you respond, whatever. And then maybe a week goes by or some shit, and then they call like everyone, like the 200 people or whatever, and in front of in front of, in front of everyone, they post up who got signed. And yeah. Rabbit Beach was on there, and I was like, "Woo, big relief!" But yeah, that was. And from there, so you don't count that comedy school year as a year of comedy. So the day you get signed, your first year of comedy begins. Your ichinem me, right? Right now, I am in my nananem me. So actually, I've been doing it for like eight years plus, but I'm actually in my seventh year because that year of comedy school don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, I turned off the the cooler, the AC again for the sound because I want this mic to be nice and it's hot as fuck. I'm drinking this hot tea again. Makes no goddamn sense. It's got caffeine. It's good. 
like digging my own grave over here. I'm sweating my tits off. But yeah, that was Japanese comedy school. And out of my 200, uh, maybe like 24 people got signed. So like 12 groups, pretty much, right? And people that are still signed this day that are in my class are, I mean, you probably won't know, but maybe if you're a Japanese person listening, you might know. Um, Pati-chan, um, the two girls from that are in my class. G-Pan Panda, Ayu Channeru, Linda Kara, Infinity, Kotake Seijikan, the lawyer, right? Um, if I'm missing someone, I apologize. Um, but yeah. So a lot of people get cut along the way. Like your first few years, first off, getting signed was difficult, right? And then on top of that, your first few years, like people just get cut real quick, right? So after like five years or whatever, who's really left are like the big hitters, right? The people that actually, you know, hopefully believe in to make the goddamn company some money or whatever. They only see yen dollars, yen dollar dollar bill, yen 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 yeni gang, yeni gang. But yeah, that's show business for you, huh? Um, so that's comedy school. Um, and while you were a comedian attending comedy school, it's one of the rules that you can't smoke cigarettes at the school or around the school. And if you get caught, man, it's so strict. Every morning at comedy school, you like everyone lines up and it's like, Ohio gozaimasu, and you hit them with a the 90 degree fucking bow. Yeah, it's strict. Um, gave me a lot of room to joke around, so I was actually appreciative of it being so strict. Um, but because of no smoke in uh, my house, because I was a fucking neighbor of the goddamn building, everyone, because you know, all Japanese comedians smoke cigarettes, like for real. I'd say like 80% of comedians smoke cigarettes. Um, yeah, it's where we're like we shoot the shit, you know? And so everyone would come to my crib after class or during like breaks at lunch and we'd all just smoke cigarettes at my crib. Yeah. So that was a, the little loophole and that was really fun. Um, but yeah. Um, and each class actually, I think, I don't know if every school does this. Like, I don't know if Yoshimoto's NSC does this, but, uh, Watanabe, each class is comes in at a half year. So your school year is like a year or a year and a half, but, each half year, a new class comes in. So it's not like one year and then you finish and then the next class, it overlaps a little bit, right? Um, so each half year, a new, and right now, man, there's like the, it's like the 37th class is graduating or some shit. I have like young underlings that are like, and they just graduated and assigned. They're like, I'm from the 37th class of Watanabe Comedy School. I'm like, damn, I'm from the 24th class. So it kind of shows that whole, respect system right who's older who's younger man japan loves that shit but yeah that is japanese comedy in japan or at least my experience with it um if you got any questions or some shit just leave them in the comments you know what i'm saying um but yeah how about we do these uh sponsored reads huh hey salary man satosh time for the sponsored reads let's go come on Moving across the US 
ready to move out of the failing nation that is America and into a country that has its shit together, like Japan? Oh, you fucking know it. Call Saluba Movers today. We are your international and nationwide moving company. We are located in Texas, but can handle any move across the globe. Oh, Texas! Everything big and Texas. We are so jealous of big Texas winner compared to a small Japanese winner. Monster truck, we only have little Prius. Call 512-596-9696 today. One more time, 516-596-9696 today to get your moving quote started. Or visit us at salubamovers.com slash quote and mention promo code Daniel-san to get 5% off your move today. 5%? Oh, yabai, totemo saiko na savings. Oh, irrashayimase. Fast, easy, and affordable brake repair. Brake chimps, brake repair, specialize in brake repair, brake pads, rotors, and calipers. Stop waiting in line for hours while the shop plays catch up. No hassle, straightforward pricing that's affordable and brake repair service you are going to rub. We can service your brakes in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, 30 minutes? That is 30 times longer than my longest love-making session. I last one minute is what I mean. They are that fast. 512-525-8950. One more time. 512-525-8950. Or visit them at BreakChimps. Com. I will write all information in the bottom of this podcast. Arigatou gozaimasu! Wow! Satoshi! Nice! Not bad, my dude, not bad. Ah, and we're back. How about we end this uh podcast with a little bit of Japanese news real quick? um let's see here what do we have man i am sweating my tits off i need some water hold on drink some water while i uh search for something we got anything she 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 what we got what we got japanese news oh let's go to the asahi shimbun shimbun is japanese for newspaper you're fucking welcome all right the asahi, the asahi shimbun asahi is morning sun asahi is morning he is like the sun or day right uh all right oh this one looks interesting COVID 19 dealt massive blow to yakuza with loss of festival money okay who wrote it i want to give some props uh there's a camera or no sorry there's a photo of like the warehouse 
with some cameras installed. Two security cameras were installed at the main office of the Ijimakai Yakuza Syndicate in Tokyo's Taito Ward on June 27th. And it says Keita Yamaguchi. So I think he's the guy that wrote it. Let's give him some props, you know, these writers. All right. The COVID-19 pandemic proved to be yet another nail in the coffin for Japan's Yakuza groups already reeling from police crackdowns. Members who are past their prime and fewer opportunities to make a quick buck past their prime. When's the prime age for a Yakuza member? I thought it was like the older you get, the more superiority and power you receive in the Japanese cultural community past their prime. But Japanese people, man, they, that, so he's got to be like 120 years old. He's past his prime, right? Jap- Japanese people just don't die except by suicide. Woo, damn. Ice cold, Danny. Let's not do a... Uh... I mean, we all understand suicide. It's like we're all living in the same world, right? I don't understand people who don't understand. Are you living in a fucking cookie of candy land? Psycho? Life's tough. I get it. All right. Anyways. Revenue from festivals, traditionally a primary. <laughs> I have a tough time reading today. Okay. Revenue from festivals traditionally a primary source of income for gangs, dried up from early as 2020 as summer and other outdoor events were canceled one after another. Damn, those Yakuza love throwing an outdoor barbecue, huh? But then a welcome bolt of lightning hit out of the blue. The Tokyo Metropolitan Government, along with municipal authorities around the country, began offering subsidies to offset restrictions imposed on business activity, particularly bars and restaurants. Okay. Ever, res- ever, ref- <laughs> ever resourceful, many groups fraudulently applied for the funds, but that didn't last long as police quickly cottoned on to the scams. Oh, they were scamming government money? Sounds like every other Japanese and American I know. Trying to get that Biden cash. Sleepy, sleepy Joe money, you heard? Ijimakai, an old-style Yakuza syndicate that operates in Shitamachi, neighborhoods of old Tokyo, is symptomatic of the malaise confronting organized crime groups. It's a lot of big words here. Whoever wrote that, I forgot your name, Keita. Its revenue was traditionally derived from tikiya, or iternerant, iternerant, I-T-I-N-E-R-A-N-T. Itinerant street merchants known for their mob connections at summer festivals and other events, please believe. Gang members, deprived of a steady revenue from running stalls at festivals, were forced to become creative in coming up with new scams. Shit. So those summer festivals where you go and buy your fucking fried squid and beers, you're buying from the yaks, from the Yakuza. How peaceful. God damn. Nice. Ijimakai, which trades which traces his roots to the Meiji era, 1868 to 1912, cool, made steady inroads over decades in downtown areas like Asakusa, as well as seedy parts of Shinjuku Entertainment District. Yeah. See a lot of Yakuza buildings in Asakusa. Its office, a six-story reinforced concrete building constructed in 2001, is in a residential area of the capital's Taito Ward. In late June, the shutter on the first floor was closed and two security cameras were installed. 
a sign the group has fallen on hard times. Mm. Crackdowns on gang activities in recent years drastically curtailed the ability of groups to recruit new members. Yeah, if you don't got money, I don't see pluses of being a gang member. I thought it was the opportunity for all that yen, right? Yen and respect. The Ijimakai has now only 80 members, many of whom are getting on in years. Oh, so it's just like 80 old people? <laughs> uh, Got to be careful what I laugh at. This is the yaks. Okay, last October, police arrested eight members, including 63-year-old Masami Miwa, the number three in the group, on suspicion of fraudulently receiving government subsidies totaling 5 million yen, $36,000. That's it? Okay. Fast forward to this past April, and a number of arrests rose to 23, amounting to one quarter of the entire group. Jeez. So they're all just fraudulently collecting government checks. Yeah. Illegally collecting money. Okay, that will get you arrested. So they were collectively indicted on suspicion of illicitly receiving around 53 million yen in government subsidies between March 2020 and November 2021, along with another member who was charged without being arrested. You know, real quick, I'm pretty sure my old house in Nakameguro, the road in front of it, was how they washed money, the Yakuza. I lived there like five years and they were doing construction on that road every single night. How long does it take to flat out some concrete? I'm pretty sure that's how they was washing money. Um, people can tell you, man, they've been fixing that road on Yamate Dori and Nakameguro forever. In 2020, events in which gang groups run pop-up stalls to make money started to drop off drastically. Our income plummeted because almost all festivals were canceled due to the pandemic. One of the indicted members was quoted by police as saying, so we're targeted the, re so we targeted the relief system. Ah, many gang members use their real names to fraudulently apply for funds, their driver's licenses with photos, health insurance cards, and my number identification cards were offered as ID, enabling an easy check for fraudulent activity after suspicions were aroused. Damn, the yak, the Yakuza were using their real names? Don't they have like aliases at least? They got to get like that undercover ID maker person to make that shit. Damn. Okay. The bank accounts into which the funds were transferred were all were genuine. Some members applied for the funds in their own name, while others asked family members to do so on their behalf. Although people with Yakuza connections were ineligible to recede, receive aid, many managed to get around the system. Specifically, they targeted funds that included five types of COVID-related subsidies and loans. After some members managed to receive funds under their real names, others realized the loophole in the administrator's screening process and apparently followed suit, said a police investigator. Yet, police suspect, suspect the fraud was not orchestrated and that each Ijimakai member individually applied at their own whim for government funds. It was obvious that they would catch the eyes of the police, said the investigator, referring to the way many gangsters did not bother to hide their identity. Hmm. New realities. Police investigators revealed that public funds for measures to combat the COVID crisis ended up being transferred to Yakuza groups. As this past March, Tokyo's Metropolitan Police Department had arrested 23 Yakuza, including a 53-year-old senior member of a group affiliated with the designated Inagawa-kai Yakuza Syndicate on suspicion of illicitly receiving government subsidies. Police refer 
the cases to prosecutors and all of them were indicted. And in July last year, Aichi Prefectural Police announced the arrests of four people, including a 50-year-old male member of a group affiliated with the Kodokai that belongs to another designated Yakuza syndicate, the Yamaguchi Gumi, for fraudulently obtaining 1 million yen in government subsidies. The enactment of the anti-organized crime law in 1992, along with anti-gang ordinances, has taken its toll on Yakuza membership. I'm so sweaty right now these Japanese summers. Sources of funding have also drastically changed. Police analyzing the cases of gang members who were arrested in 2021 by type of crime found that extortion and gambling have fallen compared to 30 years ago, while fraud has increased from 3.9% to 13.3%. The numbers of gang members dropped to 24,000, 2,400, 100, or about a quarter during the same period. The findings were increased in annual police white papers on crime. Why the papers got to be white? A senior investigator concluded that Yakuza groups have found it more difficult to engage in gambling and collecting mikaji medio, or demanding money with menaces from business establishments. As a result, gangs focused on other activities such as swindling, swindling money from elderly people through phone scams, the investigator said. During the pandemic, people were restricted in movements and they were relatively less contact. So gangsters may have begun to make up for the shortfall with government subsidies, the investigator added. Lawyer Takashi Ozaki, who is knowledgeable about gangs resorting to violence in civic affairs, said the the depletion of funding sources is the gangsters' own fault. When it comes to fraud, the police need to show that they will not tolerate antisocial behavior by conducting a thorough investigation each time it happens. Ozaki said this will eventually lead to eradication of Yakuza groups. Huh. Well. I actually heard that the Yakuza groups kind of play an important role in Japanese culture and society. So I got to look more into that. But how peaceful is it that they make a lot of their money through those food stalls during the summer festivals? You know, I didn't know I was supporting Yakuza by drinking beer and eating fried squid at the summer festivals. Damn. All right. That's the podcast. See you guys next time. Peace.